The round of 16 is officially in the books at this Women's World Cup, and Julia and I are here to talk about it on Kickback, presented by Betway. And man, Julia, it was a great round of 16. I'm so excited to kind of pick your brain, talk mm -hmm. about all the trending topics that we got to see from this round of 16 and, and just kind of get into it. How are you feeling? Totally. Oh, I'm so excited. Like you said, Caroline, it's been such a fabulous first knockout round for this Women's World Cup. We have seen some amazing goals, some amazing quality. Obviously, it's horrible to see fabulous teams go home who have had incredible storylines so far. But I'm so excited to jump into this and get started. Okay, so we have to start with probably the biggest trending topic till till this moment right now, the U.S. women's national team eliminated from this Women's World Cup. This is their worst finish ever in World Cup history. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for this game against Sweden and we both had Sweden winning, which mm -hmm. we were right. But it's odd because this was, I would say, in my opinion, the best game the U.S. women's national team had played at this at this particular Women's World Cup. And you could say if it was any other goalkeeper in net for, for Sweden, aside from Musevich, the U.S. maybe probably would have got a couple goals mm -hmm. in the back of the net, but mm -hmm. they weren't able to because Musevich played the game of her life. She was absolutely incredible, an absolute brick wall, and sends the U.S. to penalties, to extra time to penalties. And then we witness probably one of the most intense, crazy mm -hmm. penalty shootouts that I've seen in women's football. And then the way it ended had to have been probably the most brutal way for this U S women's national team to exit and a massive high five for the Swedish team. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, during that penalty shootout, my heart was racing. My stomach was flipping out. Like it was, like you said, just the most intense experience. And you, you can't make this up. Like you literally can't make up the fact that this ball went over the line by honestly millimeter or two and truly you have to if you guys haven't seen the pictures of it it's all over twitter it's all over the internet so definitely check it out but yeah what a heartbreaking exit for that women's national team in the united states but i agree i think it was probably one of their better performances um, of the tournament considering that in the latter half of the group stage, like they very well uh, could have gone home. But Musovic, 100%, like she's got to be highlighted. First of all, she's Chelsea's second keeper. She's their backup keeper. So I'm sure a lot of them at Chelsea are going to be watching that and making some decisions moving forward. But what a game for her. She was there in all of the right spots. She was pumped up, ready to go. And absolutely, if she wasn't on top of her game, the United States, I personally think, would have had a few goals and would have been going through to the quarterfinals. I think the U.S., obviously Sweden is an outstanding team. They're very strong. Yeah. But the U.S., I think, really turned it up and there was a few moments where I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to go through. This is part of their redemption arc now. They're coming on and credit to Sweden for holding on and pushing them all the way to penalties. But I just, oh, I know it's part of the game. There has to be a winner and a loser at this point. I really don't like seeing teams go out on penalties. I just think it sucks and there's so much pressure. But wow, that was a storyline. And I think we're going to remember that one for a long time to come. 
Yeah, it's interesting because we know Sweden topped Group G. Uh, we were talking about on a on a former episode that this is a team that probably wants to go on and win the World Cup just like every other team, but also a team that won silver at the last Olympic Games. So mm-hmm. they're hungry to kind of get that top spot. But in my opinion, this might have been one of Sweden's worst performances. I thought that they were so slow, so sloppy. The quality really lacked, in my opinion. And I'm not taking anything away from this team because I do think to, to kind of pull out a win and force mm-hmm. this U.S. women's national team to extra time and two penalties, you have you have to give them credit. But again, I the most credit I would give on that team is to the goalkeeper, to yeah. Musevich, because she was absolutely incredible between both posts. But with that being said, now my question is, considering this whole entire U.S. women's national team performance from the group stage into this round of 16, do you think they deserve to go home or do you Mm. think that they deserve to still be at this World Cup? Oh, gosh, that is such a tough question because you can, I think, honestly answer it from a variety of perspectives. I... I have this gut feeling almost that maybe I don't want to say deserve to go home because that sounds like to me like a little bit maybe harsh. But at the same time, I think we're also seeing the quality from so many other teams in this tournament rise to the occasion. We're seeing nations who weren't typically as good come and beat teams like the United States and and Germany. So I just think the level of this tournament has grown and improved at unprecedented speeds but considering i think some of their group stage performances yeah maybe perhaps i don't know i don't know i don't know if that's a hot take though that they had a great game against sweden so it's tough i have said on this podcast before i'm a big fan of the u.s women's national team i like their program i even though i'm canadian i lived in the u.s i played in the u.s so this Mm -hmm. was a team that i've always watched and i've always supported and i went into this tournament thinking that they would win it all and i was honestly hoping that they would win it all i'm like let's do a three-peat i want to see this netflix documentary you know i'm a big fan of alex morgan and sophia smith and you know a bunch of other women on this team uh rose lavelle is one of my favorite players in this entire world. So it would have been so cool to see them do that. However, now, you know, you, when you think about it, this commercial that aired right before the women's mm-hmm. world cup about how every, it, that implied that every country, every team was fearing them and how could anyone beat them? And they have to go back in time and make sure that some of their players don't play football or, you know, the only way for teams to beat them is if they send a drone to practice, right? Like it was just <laughs> obviously a very funny commercial. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, if you have something like that come out, you better play every single game like it's your last. Mm -hmm. And for them to come again onto the pitch and they're like really, really cool outfits and take these pictures and have these poses right before a game and, you know, celebrate a draw against Portugal that maybe they shouldn't have won. All of this now adds up to the storyline that they have been eliminated. And it is unfortunate because I do think that they had their best game against Sweden and on any other night, any other goalie, maybe they would have gone through. But when you look at it full picture, this U.S. women's national team, in my opinion, doesn't deserve to be there. I think that there are better teams. I think that there are teams that are probably more mentally focused. And that's tough for me to say because I'm a big, big fan of them. Mm -hmm. But realistically, when I'm looking at the big picture, 
when you're that good, when you are two time reigning world cup champions, you have so much pressure. Your performance has to be a hundred times better than everybody else's and what you did at the previous world cup. And if you're not ready to do that, scratch the Netflix documentary, scratch these commercials, let your, let your playing on the pitch speak for you and have all of that stuff come afterwards. Because now, unfortunately this program, cause I'm not putting it all on the players. It's not like the players are the ones who made the Netflix deal or, you know, made the commercial, but unfortunately this all kind of piles onto this women's national team. You wonder if they faced an immense amount of pressure, but also you wonder where their focus was because personally, if I have cameras on me all the time, my mind might be more focused on what did I say? Did I say the right thing? Is that going to be perceived correctly? You know, just all of this stuff instead of winning their games at the world cup, instead of getting the job done. And it was heartbreaking to see them exit the way they did. Again, I thought it was a brutal exit, Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, maybe a very big lesson for this women's national Mm -hmm. team. And I hate to use this word, but maybe slightly humbling that the rest of the world is catching up and they can't get by on their previous world cup records alone. You know, they Mm -hmm. really, really have to step up. Yeah, it's almost like they're taking their past experience at the World Cup, you know, as verbatim this time around. And it's four years on, the world has changed. We've witnessed that very point blank um, this time around. But I think it's also very interesting what you're mentioning about the whole World Cup run as a whole, rather than focusing on just this Sweden game. I saw a video earlier today and I should have saved it, but I'm sure it's online somewhere. But it was basically this woman was explaining her opinion and she was like, a lot of people were thrilled that, you know, this U.S. women's national team got second in the group. They barely scraped by, like that was an accomplishment for them to get through considering the fact that it looked like they might've been going home. But she's like, no, like, you, we should have topped the group. The U.S. should have topped the group, which then would have made them not play Sweden, potentially had a little bit of a different matchup, mm-hmm. a different game. And if they played like they played against Sweden, perhaps they would have got through to the quarterfinal. So she's like, no, every single moment of this World Cup campaign, even before the World Cup, the preparation, the media, everything has led to this moment of their elimination. And I thought that was really interesting and a really interesting perspective. But your point about the media, oh, my gosh, imagine this, guys. You're just hanging out, doing your thing, preparing, training, and somebody's watching you at all times. And you know in the back of your head this is happening. That's got to play a role. Like You can't tell me it doesn't. Which makes me wonder, you know, whoever organized that decision probably assumed that the U.S. were going to go on and win for the third time. And that's a very big assumption to make. And again, Mm -hmm. the players that they have, they should have topped the group. And I'm, I've said throughout this whole women's world cup, sometimes the group stage doesn't go the way you want it to. And you don't have to have the best group stage performance and you can go on and win the whole thing. But Mm -hmm. it's just now, unfortunately with what happened and this being their worst ever finish, when you look at the complete picture with all the storylines, it's very hard to, to kind of assume that the U S women's national team were mentally prepared mm-hmm. or mentally determined enough to go on and win this entire thing. And, uh, again, I don't want to assume because I'm not them. And I'm sure that they, I'm sure that not, I'm sure that every single one of them wanted to go and win that world cup, but it, it, it takes more than just belief or want. And I don't know if we saw that in every single 
game yeah. from I, every single player. I don't think we saw the unified U.S. women's national team that has that confidence, that energy, that spark. I personally didn't see it very often from them in this tournament. Like I've seen it, honestly, from teams like Colombia, for example, Jamaica, right? Yes. It's, it's very It's very interesting to me. And it's sort of like, this is too harsh, but like, did you really just think you were going to waltz in and win? I don't know. It's in, it's it's now just yeah, the afterthoughts and the after effects are now just starting to come in and you kind of think about it and you're like, "Hold on a second. Something actually just doesn't feel right about this whole US situation." I don't know. Well, now I'm hoping they have the biggest revenge tour uh and maybe we can see, you know, what happens from this moment on, because again, they're a very strong program, very young, talented players, you know, Trinity Rodman, in my opinion, in that first half was extremely dangerous. That's the most dangerous we've seen her all tournament. Sophia Smith, you know, after that first game against Vietnam, she's been kind of quiet where she scored those two goals, but you can't deny that she's an immense talent. You know, Mm -hmm. Rose Lavelle, just, there's so many young players on this team that, you know, with another four years under their belts and another four years playing the sport, they're going to get even better. So I'm very excited to see what comes from that. But now at this world cup, thinking specifically about what just happened, there's a lot of criticism on the coach, Vladko, like Mm -hmm. a lot of questionable decisions. Did he make the right starting 11? Were there a lot of tactical decisions that he could have done differently. Should he be bringing on a 38 year old Rapino to take off oh, and okay. Alex Morgan, right? Oh, like that, that was, you know, <laughs> that was something that I was like, mm, you know, Alex Morgan isn't having the best world cup we've ever seen her play, but she's also someone that in the final minutes could probably yep. score you a goal. Like, would you, why would you take her off as one of your most experienced players on the field in the entire world cup history for, for the women's game. Mm-hmm. Did he make the correct decision? Do you think he has accountability in this entire U S women's national team performance? I honestly think him putting, you know, Rapino on and taking Alex Morgan off was a bit more of an emotional decision, probably than a tactical one. I think maybe knowing that this was Megan's final women's world cup, I think he wanted her on the pitch, to be honest, maybe for more sentimental reasons, because for the life of me, I just couldn't figure it out either. I know the internet was like freaking out too. So yeah. that's what I can think about. Maybe putting on just her to, to have her on the pitch, see if she can have maybe this like huge heartwarming story experience of coming on the pitch and making a difference. And I don't think she necessarily did all the time to be honest that's just my opinion um of course but yeah I don't know or maybe thought she's older she has experience I'm not sure just trying to figure yeah figure that out but I wouldn't have taken off Alex Morgan especially knowing I was probably going to go to penalties (laughs) I was like I don't know I think I would want her to take a shot but I know. Well, you have to remember also, she missed that penalty, right? So I don't know if that plays into kind of what Vladko was thinking about, but I, I, I'm trying to also understand what, what his rationale was. If it was an emotional decision for him, like, unfortunately there, there are no feelings in in business. You you need to put the players on the field that are going to get the job done. And if Rapino which I agree with you, hasn't had the best tournament when you kind of compare to what she Mm -hmm. did at the last World Cup. Mm -hmm. If if she's not going to get the job done, 
I'm, I'm sorry if that might be her last opportunity to play, but you got to keep Alex Morgan on the field yep. or other players who can get the job done on the field. Uh, so I don't know. And another thing is, is, you know, this was the first game where we saw Sonnet start mm-hmm. and that was kind of in replace for Rose Lavelle because she couldn't play in this game. And, I thought Sonnet was a game changer for the U.S. Mm-hmm. women's national team. Just her work ethic and her physicality and her aggression and how fierce she was. That's a contagious type of energy. And I just wonder, like, where was this before, before in the tournament, yeah. you know? So Vladko has responsibility and has accountability with this team because as much as it is the, the starting 11 on the, on the pitch and the players coming on, it's his job to bring yeah. the best out of every single player and put players in the right position to get the win, to get the result, whatever it needed to be. So yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm very curious to see where the U S women's national team is going to go from here, but I would question bringing Rapino on taking Alex off. I would question why we haven't seen a player like Sonnet on the field way more often with the positions that they were in, which allowed, you know, Haran to kind of go a little bit more forward where she mm-hmm. was unlucky. She, I believe she hit a crossbar. She yeah. had that unbelievable shot that, Musevich saved that I was like, this is out of this world. Crazy. It it allowed the U S to have a little bit more momentum kind of in that attacking third Mm -hmm. and players to have that opportunity to attack that. I was like, where, where, where was this a little earlier? And that could have possibly put the U S at the top of the group instead of in second place, you know? I was going to say it could have totally been a game changer for the entire tournament. And I think the success of a team obviously has to do with, you know, the players on the pitch, but the manager and everyone, everybody plays a role when it comes to this level. So, of course, there's responsibility, you know, on the players and the managers as well. I personally have this feeling that the United States, like you said, is just going to go into a rebuild phase. I think, you know, Vlaco is going to go. I think that's a possibility. We all know that's what happens in sports and soccer and football. It's ruthless. We saw that in the Premier League this past season. The amount of changes in management was unprecedented. And I just think, you know, there's a lot of young players on this team. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time to bring in a new manager, um, new training plan, rebuild and get ready for the Paris Olympics and just fresh blood. Yeah. Fresh moment. Let's get something new in there and see what happens. Okay, before we go off the U.S. Women's National Team, as we've spent now 20 minutes talking on them, but it's been the craziest story, right? So we need to give it some time. But thoughts on Rapino laughing after she missed the penalty? Oh, my gosh. I thought so many people, so many people freaked out about that. And I think from her perspective, I was trying to put myself maybe into an athlete's perspective, into her position and being like, I think she... She knew it was a flub. She knew she messed up. It was the height of the moment. It was kind of like, oh, I think she mentioned afterwards, like it was, of course, it was a quote, like a sick joke. That was her leaving her international career. Of course, haha, she missed it. And I think her emotions came out in this frustration that she had in a smiling way. And like my brother does that whenever something's horrible or awkward, he kind of like laughs or makes a joke about it. So I think a lot of people thought she was laughing. Like it wasn't serious, but I'm like, no, she knows that was a turning point. So, yeah, I agree. I think people handle situations differently, anger, frustration, grief. We all can't expect someone to be crying and angry and, and, and handle it the way we necessarily would. Right. Because everyone's different. But what I will say as a 38 year old leader on this team, if, if you miss a penalty like that in a situation where I believe she could have won it for the entire team. Yeah. I think the last thing she should do as a leader is kind of laugh. Like, I think it, it needs to be like, 
that's on me. I take accountability, but let's regroup and kind of power yep. everybody up. Like that should have been her role at this women's world cup. She's not going to yep. be the same player as she was four years ago or eight years ago. Um, but if you're on this team and I, I, I say the same thing about a Christine Sinclair and I say the same thing about a Marta, you're there for the experience. You're there for your legendary status. You're there to be a leader mm-hmm. for these young women that are now on the team. And I would expect my leader and a 38 year old woman, if, if that happened to kind of find a way to, to get us past a hurdle now that could affect us and not bring us into the quarterfinals. And I wasn't a big fan of her, her laughing. And maybe if it was even mm-hmm. her, her initial, her initial reaction. And then she kind of cleaned it up by the time she got to the group, but she just like kind of get it, kind of kept it going. And yeah. even saying it was like a sick joke. I don't know. I, I, for me personally, I felt like it was kind of an immature response. I'm like your team that was supposed to win it. That was supposed to be, you know, a three P yeah. have a little bit more of like a deep response, a little bit more of like an emotional response. But it's, again, that's just me I personally. It. I don't know, Rapino. that could be her personality. And that, that's not for me to judge, right? Like who am I to judge her? I'm just saying from what I would expect and maybe, yeah, like if I were on that team, maybe what I would expect from a leader, I would hope that that would kind of go a little differently. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very deep, intense moment. I just can't imagine again, maybe that's how she deals with the pressure in the moment. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine not being like, oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to lose. Like everybody else when they miss the penalty. Everyone was like in shambles. I would be bawling. (laughs) I would immediately start crying. And that's me because I'm an emotional person. Yeah. But oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We'll move on from the U.S. Women's National Team. Everyone listening or watching, please let us know what you think because I know that there's a lot of thoughts on this. But England versus Nigeria. Man. Wow. Was this crazy. So (laughs) I know. I know. And I know England's your team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had Nigeria kind of going through on this one. Unfortunate. They hit two crossbars in this game. Such a physical, tough, Mm -hmm. such a, such a team with presence. Um, and, and we saw that from Canada, you know, as us being Canadian, Canada's first game, I think after watching that game, I was like, this team, this Nigerian team can absolutely go very far. Mm -hmm. So a very tough way for them to exit. Obviously penalties suck. You said it yourself, Julia, you hate to see teams go home Mm -hmm. on penalties. But what are your thoughts on England and how they mm-hmm. played at this point in time? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, first of all, this game actually turned out exactly how I expected it to. I thought it was going to be yep. gritty, strong, aggressive. And I definitely was like, Nigeria is going to put up this massive, massive fight against England. And they're going to be able to expose England's weaknesses, which I personally think are a little bit more on the attack, of course, which was another point that I think England's got to clean up when they play Colombia next, because I don't know, they have so much star power on their attack and they couldn't find a way to break through Nigeria's backline. However, that's an attest to Nigeria because they're strong, they're tight, they're compact, they're fit, they're aware. And England had a very, very difficult time with that. And like I said, I I just, there are points where I'm like, Nigeria is going to take it. England's falling apart. It's not coming home anymore, you know, but Nigeria, they also earlier on pointed out some of England's weaknesses and holes in England's own back line as well. So that's going to be some learnings that Serena is going to have to take into this next game. It wasn't England's best performance. I honestly England think England has had a little bit of a lackluster 
Women's World Cup, um, in my opinion, albeit aside that six to one win over China, they played yeah. outstanding. Um, that's the England that we're used to seeing. But England, I think they're playing pretty average soccer football for what they can do and what the players I think on their team have. And if they continue to play like that, Colombia is going to win. That's my hot take in the quarterfinals. And now with Lauren James out, I don't know, but I do have to attest England for the fact that sure. I personally don't think they're playing their best. However, they're, doing they're getting the job done, getting it done. That's what's, you know, it, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's just not the spark I'm used to seeing. It's good. I think it's it's pretty good for them, but it's not their best. And they're going to need to bring their best in the next round. So I'm very curious to see what happens. I completely agree with you. And it's in, it's almost like when you think about the U.S. Women's National Team, it's almost like you wish you could say that about them, right? Like they didn't do everything it took to get the job done. And that's mm-hmm. why they're home. But then you have England, this unbelievable side. They just won the Euro mm-hmm. and they're not having the best World Cup so far till this point, but they're getting the job done and they're figuring yep. it out. And you got to give the English national team credit for doing that, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not an easy, it's not an easy job to take on Nigeria in the round of 16. Let's be honest. And that getting is their hard, job done, yeah. right? Oh, totally. So I understand what you're saying with like, the Lauren James red card. Um, this <laughs> right now is the next biggest trending topic on social media, man. What a moment. Yes. Um, also credit to England for playing a man down for all yeah. of that time and extra time. That's again, not an yeah. easy feat to do. So props to England because they Especially handled their business. The area. Yes. They had and to they ha- refresh themselves and refocus. Yes. Yep. And that's not easy to do that late in the game. So I actually give a lot of kudos to England because mm-hmm. it may not have been pretty, but they figured it out and, and maybe yep. they're going to start like kind of getting to it, it together here in the quarterfinals, which I agree with you. I think Colombia is going to win, but we'll get into that in a Woo! moment. I but Lauren it. James, man, like she's oh young. God. What is she? 21, 22 she's years 21. old. Yeah. yeah. Obviously let the moment get to her. But in my opinion, an absolute red card and absolute, terrible thing to do. I mean, you can't let, you can't let, yeah, you can't let that happen. And you know, I appreciate what her manager said because the managers are always there to protect their players. The good ones. She said, you know, no one's going to take that more personally than Lauren James. And I know that she's going to be super upset, which I'm sure she's a great woman and a a great girl. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just based on what her teammates and her manager are saying, Mm -hmm. but to do that, I mean, to step on someone intentionally, Ooh, I'm not a fan. I, oh my gosh. And oh, it's so shocking. I think for me, it's extremely shocking. I, it's, it's not that I, okay. A lot of people, they have been saying online that they've lost respect for Lauren, especially after her outstanding performance, um, against China scoring three goals, assisting two goals. That was an outstanding performance. And she, people were like, wow, this girl's on the rise. She's arrived at the world cup. She's going to be huge for England in the future. The next game, steps on Michelle Dozy and it's like I again I, I was kind of sitting at my TV I was like did that just happen did that actually just happen you yeah. know and yeah she's 21 and I understand getting emotional and frustrated because they weren't producing against Nigeria I can totally get how that would be a frustrating moment but that's not how you go about getting your emotions out you get your emotions out on the pitch by going out there and trying to get a goal, getting yeah. a ball in the net in front of the hundreds of thousands of people there, the probably million people watching across the world. 
to intentionally step on another player, to me, I was like, I can't even believe that happened. That's very disrespectful. And I was just like, I don't, I, I just, I also don't think that's who Lauren is. I don't think maybe she didn't even realize what was happening. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses either because it's just so con- a very confusing and touchy situation, but yeah, red card out the next round. If England makes it past the quarterfinals, FIFA is going to look at, okay, well, do we give her an additional extension? Because that was pretty brutal and what breaks my heart is the fact that it's so avoidable you could have just stepped over her and got on your way well so you're right they're there they might be looking at a three-match ban which i'm very curious to see what fifa does um i'm not about cancel culture right like i there lauren james is like like low-key getting canceled right now on social media which is a very tough thing for a young I'll be horrible for her going through. Right. Mm -hmm. In the same breath. I think this is a very big lessons learned. Like she was checked hard and she should be because Mm -hmm. you don't step on anyone. Like, I mean, that's just, it's so disrespectful and it's so uncalled for the list goes on. But I do think that you could give someone some grace. I mean, let her pay, let her get her red card. She misses the next game. She might be missing a three match ban. You know, she's going to live with this for the rest of her life. I'm sure she's facing a ton of criticism. I'm sure she feels like she's let the team down as she should, because Mm -hmm. there are consequences to your actions, but you know, she's young. Let, let, Let her grow from this. I don't think, you know, we can assume she's the worst person in the world. No, uh, no, and you know, and this is where I really appreciate Michelle um, coming in. Alozi tweeting, telling everyone to rest. We are playing on the world stage. This game is one of passion, insurmountable emotions, and moments. All respect for Lauren James, and I, it just shows you. Ugh, that, like I think Michelle Alozi is such a stand-up person for doing that because she's a class person. Yeah, she is because when you when you realize that someone's probably at their lowest low, and she knows that it wasn't anything more than probably just a moment in a sports game. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't go beyond that. Exactly. To come to Lauren James's defense. I really appreciate. And then Lauren James responded to her all my love and respect to you. I'm so, I'm sorry for what happened also for our England fans and my teammates playing with you, uh, playing with and for you is my greatest honor. And I promise to learn from my experience. That's also a very classy response. So yeah, I I just try and think if this was my sister or this was my daughter, Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to say, you know, that can't happen. You can't do that. And I, I'm, I, but learn from your mistakes and move on. Yeah. And, and the best thing you can do is never do that again. I don't think she should be canceled for I it. Agree. Yeah. I mean, Lauren, she's never going to do that again. Uh, you yeah. can bet that she is with her thoughts right now. Devastated. Yes. And if, again, if she was my sister, I'd be like, do not go online right now. Like yes. for the love of God, like do not. Yeah. I, I think she does know that was a big mistake. It was a big flop on her part. But yeah, it was tough. It was hard to see. But classy response for Michelle. Big up for um, to Lauren James for responding in the way that she did publicly. That would have been really hard to knowing kind of everybody's against you. And I think it's totally unfair now online the hate as well that Lauren's getting in the sense of like there's okay some hate for sure but like people are saying she's racist she's all of this stuff and I think that needs to go that's completely unacceptable this is not what the sport is about mm-hmm. this is not what Michelle wants the experience of Dozy to be either and I think that's just taking the situation way too far and it's really unfortunate that sometimes this is where the world goes to but wow what a moment headlines were made that's for sure honestly i know and then again 
another penalty shootout. So, wow. What I want to want to mention one penalty in particular, Chloe Kelly, her last penalty. I love her. I was like, there was some anger behind that. I don't know where she channeled that type of shot, but to, <laughs> to nail that in an opportunity where you could send your team through or, you know, give Nigeria now the lead on things. Mm-hmm. She we talk about like relentless. That was a relentless penalty. And what I love most about it, what I love most is how lethal it was. And then how she went straight to the Nigerian goalkeeper. Cause it shows you this English national team's a humble team with humble players. And yep. that makes me root for them. And I love to see that grace from her. It's like, yes, you know, we just, we, we, we got our ticket into the quarterfinals, but let me go and pay my respect to this Nigerian goalkeeper who was phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know, all game. Oh, yeah. Uh, this has been like a tournament of the goalkeepers. They've been so good. And pay my respect to her because, you know, what a tough moment for her and this Nigerian team. And, and I'm with her in this moment. I respect that so much. Mm-hmm. That was a huge moment of respect in class from Chloe Kelly. Uh, that's just who she is as a person. You know, we've chatted a few times in, at Manchester City. She's a Manchester City player, and she just has so much love and respect for everyone. And for me, Chloe Kelly sees the game as something more than a game, as something to bring people together to, yeah, inspire, just to appreciate other people's talent. She'll be one of the first people on the pitch who will appreciate not just her teammates, but every like her opponents, people she's playing against. And yeah. I think that was a great thing to do because that would have been such an emotional moment for Nadozi. So to be like, no, 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 cameras, let's get away. This is not where you need to be right now. I thought that was huge on her part because that was obviously such a moment for England as well. But her penalty kick, I think that was one of the fastest due to technology, fastest shots of the whole tournament. I was like, woo! I mean, she did it in the World Cup. She did it in the Fiomisa. She did it at the Euros. Like... She's England's go-to clutch player. And sometimes I wonder, like, she's so good at coming in as a substitute, Chloe Kelly. But, like, what would happen if she started? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. Sometimes these players are more... They, they can have more of an impact off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like some, there are these players who are just like this spark and it's exactly what the team needs at, at that moment in time in the game. But yeah, that's a good point. Like, would she be able to do that from the beginning of a game? That's worth Possible. Cause mentioning. that's what England has troubles with. They're struggling with that right now. You know, obviously some of their players like Rachel Daly, Issa Russo, like they're fabulous, but they haven't been scoring. So yeah. they're going to need that against Columbia for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we have other games to talk about, but I just think for the sake of time, what we could do is do our quarterfinal predictions. And while we give our predictions, we can kind of even talk about the match in the round of 16. So first up, we have Spain versus Netherlands in the quarterfinals, which I believe start what tomorrow. (laughs) Wow. I'll start this one off. I think the Netherlands are going to win this one because their game against South Africa, um, full credit to South Africa because they found a way to kind of get back into this game. And mm-hmm. as we say, had the best energy, the best vibes. They're very, very like, they kind of almost controlled the game with the Netherlands at some point. But I think what what's special to me about this Netherlands team is they're just such a strong unit. And when they get in the flow of passing and keeping the ball of the uh, on the ground, they're one of the best passing teams. And one player mm-hmm. in particular, Martins, I'm such mm-hmm. a fan of her. I believe she assisted the second goal. Um, I, where it was just like a quick touch on her chest and she played it through so quickly, just her vision and her ability to pass the ball 
and be crafty on the ball. I think she'll be such a key player against Spain. And I think that this Netherlands team, the longer that they're playing together in this tournament, you see a lot more... Uh, just chemistry between them. And again, their passing is something that is super notable. Spain could, could take it. it. Maybe that's a little bit of a hot take that I'm picking Netherlands because I also think that they've been strong, but I wonder what, they're, how they're going to be able to get through a, a, a powerful team like the Netherlands for 90 minutes. Yeah, I agree. I actually agree with you, Caroline. I think the Netherlands are going to take this one on. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like very slim margins, slim margins. Yeah, though. It's yeah, not going to sure. be a blowout, but the fact, yeah, Netherlands, taking South Africa, an extremely strong team, 2-0. That's no small feat as well. I thought it would have been a little bit closer, to be honest. Um, but the Netherlands, I think they've been probably a little bit more consistent this yeah. whole tournament over Spain, of course. I think, you know, Spain, they've had some pretty dominant wins so far, but they also haven't played their best. So I think Spain, they're off and on, quite honestly. And if they're an off day... Not anything against Spain. I think Spain's a fabulous team, but if they're having a bit of an off day, the Netherlands are going to capitalize that 100%. Jill Roar, she's an outstanding striker. She's going to find a way to get through that Spanish back line. And I think when the Spanish get frustrated, which they could against some of these higher passing possession teams like the Netherlands, it could break them down or it could expose certain gaps, which the Netherlands are going to capitalize on. And you get one chance that's going to get the ball in the net and that could do it. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Okay, so we'll see what happens there. Next up, we have Japan, which is, I would say, our World Cup favorites. I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we're yeah, both very high Japan. on the Japan train. Japan, Japan versus Sweden. Thoughts? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I think that's going to be a great game. I, I, I think Japan still, but very close again. I think Sweden... Didn't have their best game, like we've mentioned, against the United States. And Japan, they're free-flowing, they're creative, they're quick. The way they were able to get through the back line in their round of 16, like, it was just beautiful to watch. And I know I'm sounding like I'm super pumped up right now, but I am. Like, I love watching yeah. this, this Japanese team. And I, I think they're on a high, and I think they're on a run, and they're not going to give up. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, here's the thing for Sweden is I think you can assume most teams, once they have a, a poor performance, they're going to bounce back and have a much better performance. So we saw that against the U.S. women's national team. So I do think that they're going to have a better performance against Japan. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think they're quick enough to take no. to, to beat this Japanese team. And I'm going to be very honest, like they were slow against the U.S. I'm not saying mm -hmm. they're a slow team, but when you're now taking on Japan who's mentally quick and physically quick. Yep. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up. So yep. I have Japan winning this. Uh, just again, they've been so consistent, mm -hmm. so clinical and consistent. Like those are two things that are hard to do at a world mm -hmm. cup and they've just oh. nailed it. So yep. if Japan were to lose this, I, it would probably be the biggest shock of the tournament from bigger than the U S. Yep. So oh, yeah. I would be shocked too. Yeah. They're if anyone's, yeah. If anyone's listening, who wants to put some bets on the game, I would go with Japan. I'm sure that they will be the favorites, but maybe even look at certain players who've been scoring and whatnot and, and mm -hmm. put some money on them. Because again, Japan in, in transition is just a team, oh. another level at this world cup. Yeah. Miyazawa has five goals right now in the women's world cup. 
I would love to see you. I would love to see her win the women. That was weird. <laughs> My sweater. <color. laughs> anyway, I would love to see her win the golden boot. She's is she still leading? Julia, she's, she's still leading. leading. Yeah, Amazing. she's still leading. There's a couple players, a handful with uh, with four, but a lot of those teams are eliminated now. So who knows? But yeah, Miyazawa, fabulous. I mean, the whole team's fabulous. So I just, yeah, I love them. They got the energy, but we'll have to see what happens. Okay, Australia, France, and the Matildas, man. I love the Matildas, and I didn't give them enough credit because Denmark was my freaking dark horse, and Mm -hmm. the Matildas just showed how dominant they are. This is also a team that I think could go on to the World Cup final. What did they Mm -hmm. have, like 75,000-plus people in in that match, uh, fans, uh, versus Denmark, which you mentioned, Julia, you know, is going to be a big factor for them. We've been saying throughout this entire World Cup, it's going to act as a 12th man for them. But not only that, like, just what Rasso's doing, and, you know, Ford, and we saw Sam Kerr come in, and, you know, she's going to need some time to get into form. But this Australian team is is a team that can go all the way and and Mm -hmm. consider all the factors and just how they're getting better, better each game. And now they're taking on a French side who we saw this morning beat Morocco. I believe the final score was four nil. Mm -hmm. And I thought France also were really, really, really good. Like another team, when I talk about passing, Mm -hmm. finding lanes, quick combination play, playing as a team, team chemistry, just how quick they are on and off the ball this is going to be, I think for mm-hmm. me, probably up there with England versus Colombia as one of the best quarterfinal yes. matchups. Yeah, I I personally think this is going to be one of the best quarterfinals and one of the best games of the tournament so far. Yeah. Heck for anything. I have a feeling this is going to be one that's going to be relentless and this could be another penalty shootout. Being point blank, if a team scores, they think they have the momentum you bet the other side is going to come back immediately. I think it's going to go all the way to the bitter end. And I'm trying to sort of determine who's going to take this one. I don't know. This feels like it's a final. I know it's crazy. And oh. one thing I want to notice France as, as you know, much as they can score goals, we have to remember that I think that it was versus Panama. They also conceded three goals. So, you know, yeah. Australia is going to watch film and find where these holes are in the back line and, and see how they can capitalize. But then again, on the flip side, this is a French team again. I mean, I know Morocco did so much to get to that round of 16. They accomplished so much history. You could say the same thing about South Africa, say, say the same thing about Jamaica. We're always rooting for the underdogs, but the way that they were able to find those seams and play those quick combination passes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, as a midfielder, I eat that up. I'm like, let me see this all day, yeah. every day. And it it's so dangerous. They have such dangerous players. I, I feel like I, I should learn my lesson from betting against <laughs> the Matildas. But I, I think that this could come down to the wire and France pull it through just because of their offensive yeah. threat that they are. Yeah. Um, in saying that, I could be wrong and Australia could could now be after this game going on to the semifinals. Cause I think that Australia is a team that could go to the finals, mm-hmm. but with my gut right now, after watching France this morning, also side note, they have my favorite kits in the entire world cup. They look so sharp. Mm-hmm. I think France edges this out by like a small margin. Yeah. I think it's going to be really, really tight. I think just France. Okay. Yes, of course they conceded those goals against Panama, but I have a feeling they're they won't let themselves do that again. This is a totally different mentality now heading into do or die quarterfinals. Um, 
I think my heart says I would like Australia to move on yeah. for the sort of hometown hero feeling. But I think my gut says that France isn't going to let that happen. Okay. So we're know. on the same page. What are yeah. we three for three? I think so. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is where it changes for us though. This because is <laughs> I, once again, for our last matchup in the quarterfinals, we have England versus Colombia, yeah. and I know I I know I said Nigeria was going to be England, but I really think this Colombian team that's now made history. This is the furthest they've ever got at the Women's World Cup. You know, very strong performance against Jamaica. We're always talking about Linda Casado, but there's also Usme, who's the you know who wore the captain's band today. I just how she scored her second goal of the Women's World Cup, even how you saw that goal happen against Jamaica, Anna Guzman, like when she got that ball how quickly she switched the point of attack and how incredible that long ball was like literally on the foot of Usme and Usme's touch and how she Mm -hmm. scored it. This is a Colombian team. That's tough. They're physical. They're skillful. They're smart. I think that they're going to give England some problems, Julia. Yes, I think they will. And Oh, it's tough. I feel like, okay, well, I have, I have to say England. They're my family. You know, I have to say England's going to go through, but, but I don't know. I think Colombia is a very, a very tough team. I think England, actually, I think it was probably good that they played Nigeria in the round of 16 because they'll now have experience playing with such a physical, aggressive team because Colombia is going to come out there with so much aggression um, and confidence and speed. And they're not going to be easy to, to break down. So I don't know if maybe this is a moment for the Brits to be like, okay, like we got to turn it up because we're going to lose. We almost lost against Nigeria and just figure it out now. Um, so I don't know. I think Colombia is going to give them the test of their life. And but it's tough, right? Because so hard. <laughs> England's done what they've had to do. It hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been nope. pretty. Nope. But here we are talking about them in the quarterfinals, and they're a team that gets it done. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. It's tough. Honestly, the, the, this is what I love so much about this women's world cup is it goes one of two ways. One expect the unexpected. And two, you just really have no idea what's going to happen. Like no. sometimes you're, you're in the past, you'd watch games. You're like, okay, the U S shoe in Sweden, shoe in uh, Germany for sure. Now we're like, Canada, US, Brazil, Germany all out. You know, we're trying to figure out who's going to win between England and Colombia. England just won the Euros. Colombia, who's never been to the quarterfinals in Women's World Cup history. And we're we're having a hard time deciphering. It's the beauty of this Women's World Cup. Mm -hmm. I I think, honestly, I think if England can get by Colombia and handle their business, I think that they could go on to win the whole thing. Yeah. I think this is a very telling moment. I actually really think that. I think that if England win this game, they're going to go on to win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or we'll see when they meet Japan. But, (laughs) but, I would say right now, based on what I've seen, Colombia with the momentum that they have and the players that they have with their ability to kind of score these insane goals where we haven't been seeing that from England aside from the no. China game. No. Colombia edges this one out. Yep. Oh, my gosh. The lack of attacking threat from the Lionesses is a problem, is a major problem. And if they can't figure that out, I think they will be going home. Yeah. 
I'm not going to make you pick Julia. I'm not going to make you Gosh. pick because this, this one's too uh, close to home for I'm you. Emotional. I'm yeah, like, I know. It's with my family and everyone's like, well, obviously Canada's like the big one, but like Canada's like my home, but England is like second home. So it's like both of them. But I'm like, England's just got to keep it in for the second half of our heritage. <laughs> like, what's, uh, what's your family saying? How do they feel? Well, they're freaking out. Everyone's very <laughs> scared. Very, very scared. Um, I have a lot of like writer friends in England as well. And they're like... I don't know. We we have to obviously have hope in our home country. Of but, course. But this is not looking good, especially because a lot of people were like, we're losing to Nigeria. So crazy, crazy. I don't know. I actually think this is going to be a very tight one. But my fear is just the lack of attacking threat from England. That's my fear. And I think if they, like I said, I think if they can't figure that out, Colombia is going to take the win for sure. I can't wait to see what happens. These games, again, as we know, are at crazy times in the middle of the night, whether you're in Eastern time or mountain time. Um, so see you bright and early because I will not be missing one of these games. Uh, so yes, everything starts tomorrow. No, th- I, I just lied to everyone. Everything starts on Thursday. Okay, cool. At, uh, August 10th. Yeah, we have a day off to breathe in between. <laughs> and then, so Spain and Netherlands on Thursday. We got Japan and Sweden on Friday. Australia, France on Saturday. And England and Colombia on Saturday. So, uh, team no sleep, but... Team, team prepared to watch all of this action and, <laughs> and cover it with Julia. I believe our next episode will go out on Friday. So, we'll have uh, two quarterfinal matches to talk about and then we'll be covering the other two following the matches so thank you everyone for listening to this episode of kicks back presented by betway caroline and julia here with you we've enjoyed your company and let us know how you guys think about all of the matches so far and all of the drama because it's been nonstop.